Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining me today, New Hope Radio. We have a special edition of New Hope Radio today. Special message. This message is going to help you cope with the coronavirus. And there's so much talk about it. And I'm not going to get into the specifics. But, you know, as people of God, there's a way that we can handle the difficult things of life. And uh, this message, it might not be what you think, but it's really important. So I'm glad you tuned in today and you still have time. Get a friend to listen because this could help everybody. I want to remind you also, tonight being Wednesday night, I know a lot of churches and all churches really are not able to have services. And some are using social media. That's good. And we will be using social media 7 o'clock on the New Hope Christian Church Facebook page. We're going to give you six reasons why Jesus became a man. It's going to be a good topic. It's really something everybody should know. Why did Jesus become a man? Six reasons with a bonus reason as well. That's 7 o'clock tonight on the New Hope Christian Church Facebook page. It's only going to be about 35 minutes, 40 minutes maybe, tops. Turn off the TV. Let's gather together and study the Word of God. Okay, we got some good things going for you today, so I'm glad that you tuned in. It's really going to be an important day. Let's start off. Let's kind of rewind life a little bit, okay? Do you remember when music began to be recorded in stereo? You know, before my generation, before stereo, it was mono. And when somebody came out with stereo, oh, what a difference it made. It was so much more enjoyable. In stereo, you would hear more than what you did in mono. And that's because the sound was separated, right? Left ear, right ear. Okay. Now, you know the Bible is like that? When you listen to the Word of God in stereo, now what does that mean? How do I listen to the Word of God in stereo? You listen not only with your ears, but with your heart. When you listen with both of those, you hear so much more than if you just listen with your ears. And you know what? What you hear becomes uh, more enjoyable. It's especially important when it comes to hearing about forgiveness. And I want you to see today that during this crisis of this coronavirus, you know, there's a needed ingredient that we don't hear anything about. We hear about washing hands, Social separation, burning your coat. (laughs) But you know what we need to hear about? Forgiveness. Because we're living in a time right now when people, man, they're stressed out. And they're pushy. We need forgiveness more than anything else. Now, I know that forgiveness can go against your grain at certain times. When you're asked to give it, it can go against your grain. More than when you when you receive it. We all like to receive forgiveness. But giving it, that can be challenging. Jesus knows people have a hard time with forgiveness. So you know what he did? He told a story. Yeah. He always told a story to emphasize important matters of life. And we find it in Luke chapter 7. And here's what he said. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 
when they were both unable to repay, oh, get this, he graciously forgave them both. And then he asked the question, which one of them will love him more? Now, Jesus was not just in the business of healing bodies in those days. He was, and he still is, in the business of healing hearts. Remember, as one thinks in their heart, so as they. That's what the Bible says, right? As you think in your heart, that's what you are. So let's take a look at this story, and let's make an application to life today. Two debts are owed. 500 denarii, 50 denarii. Let's say a denarii is a day's pay. So one guy owes 500 days pay. That's over a year, year and a half. Now the guy owes 50 days pay. Two debtors, 50, 500. Is one greater than the other? Oh, yeah. Both of them are at a disadvantage. What is it? They're unable to pay. They're similar in the way that they don't have the means to pay the debt. They're different in the way that one debt is so much greater than the other. You know, every one of us share the first two similarities, that we are debtors and we are unable to pay. We are all like that when it comes to our relationship with God. A little Selah moment. That's when you think about that. Now, let's see which is going on between these two debtors and the moneylender. And let's discover forgiveness as a basis for healing a troubled heart. What's going on with these people? Because right now we have troubled hearts, don't we? People are panicking. People are fearful. People are hoarding. Um, a lot of people, I, they don't have a resource in God to help to help stabilize them. Again, this is one of those earthly benefits of being a follower of Jesus Christ. There is a stabilizing there's a stabilizing factor in life when you follow Christ, when you believe in Jesus and you believe he cares for you and loves you. That is a stabilizing factor that non-believers don't have. So let's take a look. We're going to examine the bankruptcy of these two individuals, the relief that they received, and then the connection between the two. Let's take a look at their bankruptcy. They were unquestionably in debt. They owed something that they were unable to pay. Perhaps they even went through their old clothes and their jewelry boxes for something to help pay the debt, but they couldn't come up with enough. Maybe it was a poor decision that got them into this jam. You know, sometimes we make poor decisions and we find ourselves in debt. We're all by nature and by practice plunged into debt to God and probably our fellow man too. We're all debtors and the debt is overwhelming. And as with these two debtors, our pockets and our jewelry boxes, they don't hold the answer to our problems. This is the fact that weighs heavily on the minds of people. It's why we suffer from regret and from remorse because of the debt that we owe and the inability to either give forgiveness or even receive forgiveness. 
So they all share the same bankruptcy. But they're both going to experience the same forgiveness of the debt. They both confronted the matter and they both received forgiveness. And you know why? Not because of them, but because of the debtor. Because of the one that they owed the debt to. See, many of God's people haven't experienced the forgiveness that he'd like to give them because they haven't confronted the matter. You have to realize that, in other words, you need forgiveness before you can receive forgiveness. You have to realize you need it before you can forgive it. And I want to think about our social crisis right now. I want to think about the moment that we're living in That is not a good moment for people. People don't know, in some cases, if they'll get a paycheck. Some know they're not going to get a paycheck. Some wonder if their businesses are going to survive the crisis. I mean, it really is taxing on many, many people. And this is why what we need to do, we need to build up the heart. As you think in your heart, so are you. And while we have limited time to be out in public, we have, to, we have to maneuver our way through the public sector with a heart of forgiveness. Try to realize a lot of people are stressed out. Many people have a low tolerance level. Why do people hoard? Because they're panicking. They're fearful. I was in a store last week and this lady was filling up her cot with Kleenex. And I was jokingly, and I said, hey, save us some. She didn't even look at me. She just kept filling up her cot and walked away. You could tell she was stressed out. And I'm like, man. You know, sometimes the experiences of life say a lot about the kind of people we are. Or it says a lot about where we really put our faith and where we get our resources. So, Before the moment of forgiveness, life for these two individuals, it was a terrible thing. It was awful. They both owed a debt that they couldn't pay. But here it comes. The grace of forgiveness, it changed all that for them. It changed everything. And what I want to say today is that we can go through this crisis and we're all going through it together. But you know what? If you can forgive your fellow man if you can tolerate your fellow man and give them leeway and give them what I call wobble room, things could go a whole lot smoother and a whole lot easier. Your fellow man is not your enemy. Let's see that we are all in this together. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, you know what the answer is? Yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. And what better way to go through this crisis than to not hoard what we have but share what we have. What what feels better? Keeping what you have to yourself or sharing what you have, what you have with those in need? What do you think is better for the heart? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. Sharing what you have. Living in a world, oh, I like this part. Living in a world of forgiveness. The whole world. Imagine if the world was saturated in forgiveness. You think it would look different? 
You know it would. Do you think things would be different? You know they would. Do you think people would feel better about themselves and about life? Of course they would. Because when the world is saturated in forgiveness, oh, I'll tell you, you know what happens? The weight of the world is lifted. Let me give you an illustration of how forgiveness works. I'll talk about Julius Caesar. Caesar had been in a fierce battle with Pompey, and at last he conquered him. After he conquered him, he found Pompey's private cabinet, which contained letters from the various noblemen and senators of Rome who sided with Pompey, and they were against Caesar. And many of the letters, there was plenty of evidence against the most distinguished Romans. What did Caesar do? You know what he did? He destroyed every document. He wanted no knowledge of his enemies because he freely, now here it comes, he freely forgave them and he wished to know no more. In this act, Caesar proved that he was fit to govern the nation. See, when you give forgiveness, something happens. You know what happens? You grow. You become a bigger person. You don't, you're not small anymore. You're big. And as we go through this crisis and we can extend forgiveness to people, you know, they took your pocket space, they cut you in line, they were a little rough around the edges. But if we can extend forgiveness, you know what happens? We become bigger. As you know, when you think about God's forgiveness, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, I'm glad the Bible doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. Because you can measure the difference between the very north and the very south. But you can't measure the distance between the east and the west because you don't really know where exactly the east begins and the west ends. Only the north and south. So God says, I've removed your sins as far as, ooh, not the north from the south, but the east from the west. So that means you can't find them. We do not have to make God merciful. He is merciful. He's merciful by nature. So back to the story in Luke 7, Jesus said, When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. The man that owed money to, he forgave them both. Which one of them will love him more? Well, obviously we know the answer. The one that was forgiven more. See, to reduce their debt would be of help to them because they were both bankrupt. Neither one of them could pay whether it was the little debt or the big debt. And when pardon comes, self-sufficiency goes. Think about that. When pardon comes, self-sufficiency goes. You don't have to rely on self because you've been pardoned. Charles Spurgeon said, He that will own his own debt and confess his own incapacity to meet it shall find that God, frankly, blots it out. 
And of course, he's speaking spiritually. And what he's saying is, when you acknowledge that you owe a debt to God, God graciously blots it out. God just wants you to know that you've been forgiven because you've acknowledged that you need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. Some folks don't think they do, but we all do. We're all the same. We all fall short of God's grace. But God is merciful to extend forgiveness to every person that asks. So think of it. When you are brought to your worst, you will see God at his best. God does his best work in our difficult situations. Maybe it's time to draw closer to God through the crisis. I think there are people today, they're not even thinking about drawing close to God, but imagine if they did. And maybe as God's people, we need to encourage them. And I'm not saying be hyper-spiritual. Oh, you know, and sometimes people say things and they're not very helpful. You know, don't worry, God will get you through. And we know God is in control, but it doesn't mean he always takes control. But we just have to be who we are in Christ and say, listen, trust God no matter what. Trust him no matter what. That's really the answer. Not trust God because he's going to give you everything you want and do everything you want him to do, but trust God no matter what. See, Jesus told this particular story so we would know just how forgiveness is available to anyone who asks for it. Spiritually, he's saying, God will forgive anyone that acknowledges that they need his forgiveness. To pardon is to know healing. To know healing is to know joy. To know joy is to be able to love. So now let's bring it back. Let's learn to love our fellow man in this crisis. Know that God has healed you. Your healing has brought joy. You have joy. Why? Because of God. Because of what because of what God has done for you. And now you can love others. And you know, your love toward others, it can be a great encouragement to those that really, really need it. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is a good medicine. It's healing to the bones, you know. God's people need to exempt, not exempt, needs to express joy during this time. Don't express panic. Don't express fear. Because you know who is with you. God is with you. God wants to heal your heart. That is so important. Let him heal your heart today. And as you're out in the public square, let that joy exude from you. Be a helper. Come alongside someone and be there for them. Because you know what the world needs? The world needs hope. That's what it needs right now. The world needs hope. And hope, I think it's only going to come from one place. The people of God. That is it. Where else are they going to get it? Where are they going to get hope? Even if they have a closet full of toilet paper. That's not going to give them hope. 
Hope is found in the heart, not in the closet. It's in the heart. So, like I said earlier, Jesus wasn't just in the body of in the in the business of healing bodies. He was in the business of healing hearts. And that's why after many of his healings, you know what he would say to people? Go. Your faith has made you well. He's talking about the heart. That they were regenerated in their spirit. They were born again. That they had a, a new life. They had the life of God inside of them. That's what people need today. They need the life of God. That's what carries us through the crisis. That's what carries us. When you can't carry yourself, the life of God will carry you. But you got to get it in you. So when Jesus asked the question, which one of these men will love him more? And of course the answer the one that was forgiven the most. That's us. We love God more because we know what we've been forgiven of. And now, because we know we've been forgiven, we have healing, we have joy, and we can love. And that's what we need to do during the crisis. We need to love. We need to Share the joy, and we need to love. People are not your enemy. They're afraid. They're fearful. So they need to look. They're not going to look to God in many cases, but you know what they will look to? The people of God. And they might not even know they're people of God, but something's, there's something about the people of God that's different. And there's a bright light shining from their heart. And their countenance is so much brighter. Not because they've got more food and they've got more paper towels and they've got more things, but because they've got the life of God inside of them. It shines through. And that's what people need to see. And we have a responsibility as people to let that light shine. Let it shine. What did Jesus say? You don't, you, you, you don't light a candle and put it under a basket. That's dumb. You don't do that. You light a candle, you put it on a shelf. So it can light up the whole house. That's what you do. So God has lit you. You are lighted by God. Don't go hide under a basket somewhere. Let your light shine. Let it shine. Say, well, I can't go out. You know what you can do? You can call people. You can encourage them. Be an encouragement to people on the telephone. Be an encouragement to people by means of social media. Just be an encouragement. And don't be silly. Don't be hyper-spiritual, but be real. And be normal. And if you are outside, look for opportunities to be helpful. Help people whenever you can. A lot of people are going to be struggling now financially. And maybe you have a little nest egg. Maybe you have a little extra money. If you see someone in need, you can help them out. You know, never, I have a rule. Never let anybody in line at the grocery store put something back because they don't have the few dollars to pay for it. I will never let that happen if I see it. Always be ready to help someone. Don't put the cereal back. 
Don't put the milk back. Don't put the diapers back. Be available. Be ready to help them, even if it costs you something. You see, that's that's giving what people need hope. That's where the hope comes from. Hope comes from meeting people where they are and rescuing them from their situation. That gives them hope because God did that for us. He rescued us from our situation. And now we are, we're, we're people of hope, right? And that hope shines to us. And now we want to be people of hope toward others. So let's, we can turn this crisis into a real blessing for the kingdom of God. And let God shine through you with forgiveness, with help, with an attitude of gratitude, with being available to the needs of people. They're not your enemy, they're your fellow man. And be there for them. And and don't go through life with your head in the clouds. You're not living in la-la land. Be aware of your circumstances and those around you. And it's amazing how that'll heal your heart as well as theirs. Well, let me remind you again, Wednesday night, tonight, uh, New Hope Christian Church Facebook. Let's have church. Let's, we can't have it in the building. So we're going to have church on Facebook. And I'm going to give you six reasons why Jesus became a man. It's a real good study that all Christians should really know. Do you know, can you give six reasons why Jesus became a human being? I know you're going to say it's to die for our sins, but there's more. And the notes are on our website at newhopecc.tv. You can download those. Follow along, 7 o'clock. Become a follower of New Hope Christian Church. Just type that in. Click Facebook. And at 7 o'clock, we will be there, and we will be meeting to study why Jesus became a man. Why did he become a human being? Time to turn off the TV for a half hour. And let's get some hope. Let's study the Word of God together. Thanks for coming along today. Don't forget to join the Hope Club. Go to newhopecc.tv, click support, click radio, fill out the information. You'll get an email, audio file, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Nice little devotional to begin the day. And the Tuesday challenge. It'll challenge you to apply what you heard on Monday. Thank you for coming along today. Pray for your churches. Pray for your country. Pray for your government. Pray that the Word of God will become real in the lives of people during the crisis. Okay? Thanks for coming along, and I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.